Again, I want to welcome you to our Advent sermon series. We're focusing on the promise, the promise of the Messiah, the promises of God. God promises to those who would follow him, to those who would accept Jesus as Savior, hope, peace, joy, and love. In Advent, we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, and the church has seen these themes as the true gifts of Christmas. So if you're struggling with what gift you can give someone, especially for someone who you think maybe has everything they need, think about giving them hope, giving them peace, giving them joy, and giving them love. And those things, of course, come through Jesus Christ. The baby that was born in the manger, the man who was the Son of God, who came to bring us hope, peace, joy, and love. Last week, we discovered a man named Simeon who had been waiting his whole life. The Holy Spirit had told him that he would see the face of the Messiah before he died. And God, in his providence, in his sovereignty, arranged Simeon to be in the temple on the very day when Joseph and Mary presented Jesus to God in the temple. Our waiting should not be in idleness. Simeon didn't sit at home just waiting for that phone to ring and say, today's the day. He was serving faithfully. He was sharing the message of the coming Messiah. And today, as we hope and look forward to Christ's next return. We need to be doing that not in idleness, but in serving and in sharing those gifts that God has given us. Today we're turning our attention to the second theme. We lit our second candle, and that was peace. And we're going to focus on another group in the nativity narrative. That's the shepherds. But before we go there, talking about peace, who remembers the mid-90s. Who was around in the mid-90s? Okay, that's good just to remind us of the age of some of us. The mid-90s, there was a craze for a certain toy to be under the Christmas tree. Anybody remember? Shout it out. Tickle Me Elmo, 1996. Our oldest, Joseph, was just one years old. And during the Thanksgiving shopping season, the stores ran out of Elmo. Now, being a young dad, I didn't even know who Elmo was because I hadn't watched Sesame Street in quite a few years. There's a new character, and when you touched his little belly, he giggled. And people went crazy for Elmo. There were no supplies left in the stores. This giggling Elmo retailed for $28.99, and once supply ran short, people were scalping in newspapers and on the new internet. There were ads for up to $1,500, just so that parents and grandparents could put a Tickle Me Elmo under the tree for a child who had no idea that they needed or even maybe wanted this crazy present. Parents and grandparents went crazy. They stampeded over store clerks. They chased delivery trucks. They showed up and waited in store lines for hours and hours just to put a Tickle Me Elmo under the tree. 
This year, it's Galactic Snacking Grogu. And he might be the hot new toy of the year. Those of you that are Star Wars fans, I hope he doesn't cause that same insanity that we saw 25 years ago. But Grogu might be on your shopping list. Is anybody looking for one? You can still find him on Amazon if you are. It's not an Amazon plug, but I just happened to find him there. Well, the things that we expect at Christmas, love and family and peace, are so often contrasted with anger and frustration because in the heart of every human is sin. Not only pride, but wanting to do things our own way, wanting things to go the way we want them to go. And so this idea of peace is often elusive. It's so hard for us to find when we're surrounded by the world and people chasing after everything but God's peace. Much of the Bible is written to people who found themselves in the midst of conflict, in the midst of trials. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people, His chosen people, the nation of Israel, usually living in conflict and turmoil. While they had this promise, this hope of peace in the coming Messiah, they often found themselves struggling from day to day, whether it was attacking armies or just their own struggles within themselves to follow God, to obey Him on a daily basis. The Old Testament writers were often crying out to God to bring them peace. And one of the prophetic promises from the book of Isaiah addresses the need for a new leader, one who would come and become the Prince of Peace. They believed that God was faithful, that He always kept His promises, and so they eagerly waited for God to send them rescue. This is a familiar chapter in our Advent time, and we're going to go to it several times. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, here it is, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's promise penned by the prophet Isaiah is for a coming ruler who would usher in a new government unlike any that they had seen before. There would be a child born who would become this wonderful counselor. Not a human child. Not solely human because he was mighty God. He was also everlasting father and he was the prince of peace. This was not the reality at the time of the writing. Isaiah was writing to the Jewish people because they needed hope. They needed to be reminded that God had not forgotten them. And his promise that when you turn your hearts back to me, I'm there waiting and ready to bring you peace. It's no secret that today we don't live in a time of peace. If we watch the news just for a few minutes, 
We can see that the world around us is filled with struggles, pain, and fear. We see it in the lack of food and water in far-off countries. And often right here in our country, blessed with abundance, there are people who go hungry. There are children and families who don't have good food on the table every day. There's unrest and division within our own country. With all of the blessings of God, we find things to argue and fight about. We see it in the global pandemic. We see it in wars and rumors of wars, which have continued century after century without final peace. And sometimes we see it even closer to home within our own families when we're at odds with one another, when there's family members that you just can't seem to find common ground with. You can't make peace and it's been years and years, and your kids say, why doesn't uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so come over anymore? We can't find forgiveness. We can't bring them the love that God calls us to. These are all reminders that we still live in a very broken world. And whether those trials, those conflicts are far away or near, we can relate to the desire of God's people. For one who would rule over us, and bring order to our chaos, and bring healing to the brokenhearted. We long to see peace come into the world, for God to fulfill his promise of one who would rule with love and compassion, with perfect justice, with righteousness. And hundreds of years later, after Isaiah wrote this, God's promise came. But the first people to hear about this were quite a surprise. If you're following along in your copy of Scripture, Luke chapter 2, another favorite for the Advent season. Luke 2, 8 to 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. In a field outside the small village of Bethlehem, there was a group of shepherds watching over their flocks by night. Now typically when we think of shepherds in the Christmas story, we think about cute kids wrapped in their pajama robes, with towels around their heads. There's a couple up there that you might recognize. The shepherds in the ancient Near East were anything but cute little boys. They might have been young. They were often the youngest of the family. But they were seen as the lowest of the low in the Jewish society. They were a nomadic group who lived off the grid and they traveled far and wide as they looked for green pastures for their sheep to feed on. 
They were usually single young men, without families, without children. They weren't very clean. They were out in the fields for weeks at a time. They probably didn't smell very good. They were a blue-collar crowd who worked hard and long just to earn a living. They were considered second-class and untrustworthy. If you were going into court and you needed someone to stand up and give testimony, a shepherd's word was not considered true or good. And yet God chose these simple people to be the very first to hear the birth announcements of the long-awaited one. If you're taking notes this morning, there's a note sheet where you can fill in some blanks in the bulletin. Our first point is that the peace of Christ is for everyone. There's a sense from the very beginning of the Christmas story that the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that arrive with the birth of Jesus are not just for the powerful or for the perfected. The child who is born is for everyone, everywhere. The peace that will come from his leadership and the rule is not just for the ones already in power, but it's for the ones who are scratching and clawing to make a living, just to make it another day. If you don't feel like you're worthy of the peace that's found in Jesus, this morning you can know that you're in good company because this message of peace is for you. It's for everyone. It's not just for those who think they're good enough. In fact, over and over, Scripture says it's for the humble, for those who recognize that they need help, that God is going to be near, that his truth is going to be so plain and clear because the peace of Christ is for everyone. The angel of the Lord appears to these men out in the fields, not in town where lots and lots of people could hear it, but for this small group of shepherds. And their first response is absolute terror. They're fear, fearful because they've seen the glory of God shining around them. If you think about the glory of God as it appeared to Moses, his face continued to glow. And the people said, can you put on a veil? Can you mask your face? We can't even stand to look at you. It's so fearful. The glory of God. The first words spoken to them are, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because I'm bringing you peace. Though you're facing painful situations today, don't be afraid. You might be facing an unfavorable diagnosis. The doctor didn't have good news for you. You might be struggling to restore a relationship that just seems unfixable. Don't be afraid. You might be anxious about all of the circumstances that swirl around you. And God says, don't be afraid. Here's why. The angel has brought good news of great joy for all the people. When someone says to you, I have good news and I have bad news, which one do you want to hear first? Who wants to hear the bad news first? How many of you want to hear the good news first? Often we say, just rip the bandage off, right? Tell me the bad news so that I can hear good news and hope that there's something I can hang on to, something good there. Maybe you need some good news today because your spirit doesn't know 
this real peace. In the arrival of Jesus Christ, we are all given good news. The good news is you've not been forgotten by God. No matter what situation you're in right now, God knows where you are. He knows your struggles. And not only does he say, don't be afraid, but he says, I can save you. He's come to be with you in the midst of your struggles. He was born in the city of David. He's the Messiah, the Lord. He's the King. And he's the one you've been waiting for all your life. The peace of Christ comes through knowing Jesus Christ. And that's available for everyone. Our second point is that the peace of Christ is not the absence of conflict. Instead, it's the presence of God. When we think peace is coming, we think, oh good, all of my problems are going to go away. Then I'll finally be at rest. I won't be worried because everything is gone. All, all of the things that I'm worried about have been taken away. God says, no, I'm going to be here with you through those struggles. Fixing the world's problems, the restoration of final peace comes, but it's down the road still a ways. And God says, the peace I'm going to give you right now is being with you through all of your days. This is the kind of peace that comes with fulfilled promises because, because things are different than what we expected. Many of us, especially these past two years, have experienced the loss of loved ones. We've experienced severe health problems. We've struggled with money. We've had times when the pile of bills was bigger than the money in our accounts. We've lost jobs. We've lost loved ones. Today, we're struggling with those in our church family being sick with COVID. And we bring these problems to God. And we can experience peace that goes beyond our comprehension. When people see you and say, how can you still be smiling? How can you still have peace in the midst of all of these things? It's because you're not alone. True peace can be experienced in the midst of chaos when we recognize that peace is not about my immediate circumstances. It's not about everything going the way I want or the way I expected. If you've lived long enough, you've realized that that never happens. And that's often what causes us to struggle, especially with the holidays. I just want everything to go right and for us to just have a perfect holiday time together. That never happens. So how do you find peace? It's because the sovereign God who is faithful to walk with you through those difficult times always keeps his promises. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The one who finds perfect peace has his mind, his thoughts, stayed on God and trusts in God. That very first Christmas morning, the angels brought good news. A child was born in the city of David, Bethlehem. He would be a better king who would rule and bring peace. 
Luke was borrowing from the prophetic words of Isaiah and keyed in on a time when the nation of Israel knew peace. The angel was talking about when David was king. Today we would say those were the good old days. They looked back to those days of David, and even though he struggled with sin, he was a man after God's heart, and he led his people to love and know and worship God. Those were the good days of Israel. And everyone in Israel wanted to see that as a reality once again. But this time it would be even better than with David. This time the baby that they found wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, was not just another king that they hoped would follow God. This time it was God. The very God of the universe, the creator who had moved into the neighborhood to live among them. Peace wouldn't come from a mortal man, but from the divine. And as soon as this announcement was made, good news inspired a song. And the angels sang the very first Christmas carol. How many of you love singing Christmas carols? They're some of the songs that go back ages and ages. Some of them are so old and yet... We're singing them with the same joy and the same excitement. The angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels' song ends saying that peace is going to come with those with whom God is well pleased. Or in another translation, with those on whom God's favor rests. Do you want to have peace? Do you want to know how to have real peace? Then you need to know how to receive God's favor. How can you please God? That's the way to find peace. Our third point this morning is that God's favor comes from being at peace with God. The story of the Bible reveals that the most important place where we need to experience peace is not in the relationships around us, not in the circumstances of our lives. The greatest need for peace is between you and a holy God. The book of Romans that Cindy read for us earlier tells us that for most of us, for all of us in fact, everyone that is born other than Jesus, the rule of our hearts is the rule of sin. And that causes chaos and conflict within us. What does it say about finding life and peace? Listen to verses 6 and 7 again from Romans 8. Forgive me, I didn't put a tab in my Bible to find it quickly. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The good news is God's peace. The bad news is that we find ourselves lost in sin. Our sin separating us from a holy God. Our sin causing chaos and turmoil within us. The Apostle Paul said, we know that we want to do the right thing, but we can't do it because sin is reigning in our hearts. We don't submit to God. 
and we won't submit to him because we think we know better. We don't want to submit to anyone, and especially to God who says, this is the way I want you to live your life. That's at the headwaters of every conflict we face. We're at war with one another. We hurt one another because in the end, we think we know what's best. And that's usually what's best for me. The birth of this promised king is the coming of a new rule for the entire world. And that rule begins within our hearts. The baby who grew up to be a man who offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross, the atonement or payment for our sins, can bring us peace. When our sins have been forgiven, when our record is set clean before that holy and perfect God, when the peace of Christ begins to reign in our hearts and our thoughts are about Him. And how do we glorify Him? How do we honor Him in our actions, in our words? Submitting to His leadership in our lives day by day. That starts to reorient our hearts and that makes us friends with God. So even though the world around you might be in chaos, we can find comfort. You can find confidence knowing that we've been made right with God. The blood of Jesus paid for your sins and he's offered you forgiveness. His presence in our life brings us peace. Today, if you're thinking about peace and saying, that just seems so far from me, it might be because you've never made peace with God in your heart. You haven't accepted this amazing first gift of Christmas. Jesus Christ. You haven't trusted that Jesus alone can save you. You might still be thinking, I can live a good life. I can do enough good things. And in the end, God will be happy with me. That's what 95% or more of the world thinks. I'm just going to live a good life. I'm going to do my best, try my hardest to be kind to everyone. I'm better than so many people I see around me. So God's going to have to say, you did a good job. You weren't perfect, but it was good enough. Come on in. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, I am holy. I am fearful. Sin cannot be in my presence. And that God created a place called hell for Satan, for his followers, and for everyone who would not accept this gift of eternal life, who would not accept God's forgiveness. That's the God of the Bible. And he's the one that we need to please. Not compare to you or to my neighbor or to anyone else, but to God's perfect righteousness, his perfect holiness. And who can measure up to that? None of us. None of us. That's the bad news. We can't measure up to God's perfect standard. But at Christmas, we're reminded of the good news that God came as that tiny baby with a life mission to take care of our sin problem, to pay once and for all for all of our sins with his perfect sinless life. His blood shed on the cross covered all of our sins. And he leaves us with the question, will you accept my gift? Will you accept forgiveness? Will you accept my peace? 
Or do you want to stay in conflict with God? That's my prayer for each one of you that are watching or listening this morning, that you would accept that gift of Jesus Christ, that you would repent of your sins and say, God, forgive me, save me. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want him in control, and I want to experience that peace. In Ephesians 2, we read that we had no hope. We were without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus, we have been brought near to God by Jesus' blood. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one. He brings us unity, and he's brought down the dividing wall of hostility between God and man. I want to encourage you today that if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, begin that relationship with him today. Accept that gift and come to know him as your Savior. You can come talk to me after the service. If you're watching online, you can contact me through the church office. I would love to pray with you and see you begin that new life and find peace in Jesus Christ. For those of you that are already believers, are you trying to find peace in your perfect plans for the holidays? Are you trying to find peace by making sure that the right people are seated next to the right people at the table and you're trying to avoid conflict by arranging everything? Maybe it's the things around you that you're hoping in, that they can protect you, that they can make everything right. Just like hope, peace can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. When our world is in turmoil, when our hearts are struggling, go to Jesus. He says, cast all your worries on me. Bring me all of your burdens and cares because I care for you. I love you and I want to go through these trials with you. Sometimes he removes them completely and sometimes he says, I'm going to walk through these difficult days with you. I'm going to be the light in your darkness. I'm going to be the strong hand through the raging waters. Are you letting his peace protect your heart and your thoughts? Are you bringing your burdens to him? That's our prayer today. Jesus is our peace. Mark's going to come and we're going to sing a closing song. Please bow with me in prayer. Our heavenly, gracious Father, we thank you and praise you that we could come together this morning and celebrate the peace that you have brought to this dark and conflicted world. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Jesus, for being the sacrifice to bring us perfect peace with God the Father. Lord, I pray that anyone this morning that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that peace, that today would be the day they would turn their hearts to you, repent of their sin, find your forgiveness, and choose you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And Lord, for those of us that have walked with you, I pray that we would seek our peace in you and not in trying to fix things and make things just right, but that we would recognize that you are with us each step of the way. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, I pray. Amen.